Hey everybody, welcome to Crossroads Online. My name is Pastor Jason. Today we are looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. Matthew 7, 15 through 23. This is the fourth message in our message series, Firm Foundations. And next week, we'll be tying up this months-long journey through the Sermon on the Mount. But let me pray as we get started today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just speak into every heart, every home. Speak in me, speak to me, speak through me, speak in everyone's hearts as we look at your word today and consider what it might mean for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Leslie Anderson, our director of connections here at Crossroads, took her oldest daughter, Kayla, to Northern Illinois University to drop her off because she was starting college there. Now, I also went to NIU, and so I was having flashbacks as Leslie dropped Kayla off to the time when my parents dropped me off at NIU. And it was in NIU, my first semester there in my first weeks, that I first experienced being tricked into doing something that had financial ramifications. And so I told Leslie, after she dropped Kayla off, I said, be sure and tell her, never apply for a credit card in order to receive a free t-shirt. Because that's exactly what I did when I arrived at NIU. One day I was coming out of class in Cole Hall and there was a stand set up that said free t-shirts. I'm always a sucker for a free t-shirt or a free hat. So I walked up and I said, hey, you're giving away t-shirts? And they said, yeah, all you got to do is fill out this application. I said, what's it for? They said, it's for a credit card. I said, do I actually have to use the credit card? Because I don't really need another credit card. They said, no, you don't even have to use it. Just fill this out and you can pick a t-shirt, whichever one you want. And so I thought, boy, this is too easy. So I filled out the application and I picked out this t-shirt that said Hawaii on it, thinking that I had just beat the system. I went back to my dorm room and I tried on this new t-shirt and it was obviously like from the rack of clothes that had been miscut in the factory because it didn't fit at all. It was like a total, you know, junky shirt. So I just threw it away, didn't think anything more of it until I went home for Christmas break. My dad said, Jason, why did we get a credit card in the mail with your name on it? Did you apply for another credit card? I said, oh yeah, I filled out this application so I could get a free t-shirt, but I'm not going to use it. You can just throw it away. He said, Jason, you already owe a $100 annual fee for that credit card. And after giving me a brief lecture about how I shouldn't do stupid things like that, my dad then get on the phone to the credit card company and called them and explained that his son had no idea what was going on in the world. He was only 17 at the time. He wasn't old enough to make adult decisions. And he convinced them to cancel the credit card and cancel the $100 fee. And that day I learned an important lesson. There is no way around this simple truth that in the world that we live in, there are lots of people out there trying to deceive us. Whether it's people who make fake Facebook accounts or send us emails claiming to be stranded Christians in foreign countries needing just a few hundred dollars to get out of debtor's prison because they're being persecuted. Whether it's faulty advertising trying to tell us that life will be better if we buy this product. Or whether it's people trying to befriend us, telling us, offering us all kinds of friendship when in truth they want something from us. Sometimes it feels like we are living out that fairy tale, Little Red Riding Hood. Do you remember that? 
the big bad wolf uh, knew that Little Red Riding Hood was going to her grandmother's house. So he went to the grandmother's house, ate the grandmother, and then he dressed up in grandma's clothes. And when Little Red Riding Hood arrived, he deceived her into getting close. And then when she got close enough, he ate her. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we are just living in a world filled with wolves dressed up like trusting little grandmothers. And young people, I will tell you this. You need to be aware of this. You cannot trust everyone in the world. As sad as it is, as you go through life, there will be many people who try to trick you into doing things or buying things that you don't need so they can take advantage of you. And Jesus was preparing his new community of believers for this very reality as well. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he's been calling these people to an entirely new way of life. He's trying to convince them to give their full allegiance to him and to break allegiance to the world, to throw their lives into pursuing the kingdom of God and to live an entirely different way of life in their interactions with God and with the world. And as he gets to the end of this sermon, he's almost ready to tie it up, but he gives this warning about how they travel down this hard, narrow road of following him on the way to eternal life that many people will try to deceive them and trick them and pull them off that road. Look at what he says in verses 15 through 23. He said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the deception that Jesus warns his followers about is going to come to them through these people that he calls false prophets. Now, prophets have been around since the beginning of God's interactions with the human race. And a prophet is someone that God uses to speak a message from God to other human beings. Sometimes God reveals this message through dreams or visions to the prophet or by putting a strong message on their heart that is very clear to them. And then they are to relay that message to the intended group or person. And God still uses prophets today. There are many people who receive messages from God to give to other people. Now, the New Testament norm is that when God speaks through other people and gives them prophetic messages, that the norm is that it is a positive message of encouragement to believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is telling us that we should pursue this ability to share messages of encouragement with others. And he compares this gift of prophecy to the gift of speaking in tongues. Look at what he says. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 
For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, the one who prophesies builds up the church. And the scriptures paint this picture of in the last days when the Holy Spirit would come, that God's sons and daughters would prophesy. That we would receive messages of encouragement and consolation from God to speak God's word of love and direction into other people's lives. So we should pursue this special ability that the Spirit gives. But the problem with prophets is that they are easy to imitate. And since the beginning, there have been fakes who pretend to be speaking on behalf of God, special messages from God, but they are not being truthful. And Jesus says they look like sheep. They look like they can be trusted, but they are like ravenous wolves on the inside. In other words, in our day, they may be sweet. They may be looking like Christians or very devout. They may be very dynamic speakers or persuasive leaders, but they have wrong motives. A lot of time people claiming to be prophets, they just want your money or they want to take advantage of you. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to build a fortune. Sometimes they might even be trying to take advantage of you physically. And over the past hundred years, there have been many false prophets. Yes, in the last hundred years, there have been large numbers of people claiming that Jesus will return on a certain date. And then the date comes and goes, and it reveals that the prophet was wrong, that he was a liar. And sometimes thousands of people had made life-altering decisions because they believed that this prophet was correctly indicating the time of Christ's return and the end of the world. And then people are disillusioned. People give up on Christianity. These are false prophets. In the last couple of years, there's been a lot of confusion because people who claim to have the gift of prophecy predicted that President Trump would stay in office for a second term. And then when he didn't, many people got really upset at these people who prophesied this, and it's caused a lot of confusion within Christianity. And false prophets make Christianity look unbelievable. In addition, in our day, there are many high-profile Christian speakers who have used Christianity to build a platform, to build their own personal brand, and have accrued large amounts of wealth and power over others, but then they've revealed over time that they were not genuine. And sometimes these guys, you see them, they're wearing $1,000 tennis shoes. Many of them, they look very successful. Some of them are built like members of the Avengers, and they attract large audiences. They're very motivational. But I will tell you this, in the 20 years that I have been a pastor, almost every single famous Christian speaker has proven to be some kind of false person over time. Sometimes we see that they had bad motives and they get fired because they use their power to take advantage of people sexually. Sometimes we find out that people who wrote books on humility were actually abusing their power behind the scenes. People who are writing on integrity were taking advantage of people in their personal relationships. Some people who wrote books on financial management, according to God's principles, are in jail for misusing money. And part of the problem is our obsession with celebrities in social media. 
Because we can fall in love with what people look like from a distance without knowing who they are up close. And this is extremely dangerous. We can fall in love with the speaker who is writing what we want to hear, who is saying what we want to hear, who looks like we want to look, and we don't have any idea what they're like in their personal lives. And Jesus says, you're going to know whether someone is true or genuine by their fruits. Now, part of that is the long-term effects of their ministry. If they prove to be fraudulent, you say, well, they were fraudulent. But it also has to do with the fruit of their character. I don't think Jesus is saying, well, you'll know whether they're authentic by their number of followers. Now, I don't think number of followers is any indication of whether someone is truly in sync with God. I mean, Adolf Hitler had a whole nation believing his baloney, and millions were murdered. That has no indication that he was aligned with God's will for humanity. No, success does not mean alignment with God's will. What he's talking about, I believe, is the fruit of character. Do their personal lives exude the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Paul wrote in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And many of these qualities only become evident if you know someone. You can't tell by someone's public persona what they're like up close. And almost every Christian celebrity who has been fired or gone to jail didn't do so because of what they said on camera, but because of who they were in private. And this is a good reminder for us in every sphere of life. People who look great from a distance, who have achieved the status symbols that we seek after, many of them personally, their lives are in shambles. They don't have faithfulness or goodness or self-control, and their personal relationships are a train wreck. One Christian influence that you can know up close, who is the type of person you want to be, that you can get to know and learn from, is better than a hundred celebrity Christians who speak what you want to hear. And then Jesus goes on to paint a vivid picture of Judgment Day. He says in verse 22, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now here Jesus is continuing on with his discourse on these false prophets. These leaders deceived many with their charisma and with the stunts they were able to pull off, and they even used Jesus' name to do it. But the whole time Jesus knew in their hearts that they didn't know God or sincerely seek to do God's will. And in their final attempt of deceit, they'll try to trick Jesus into honoring them in eternity. And Jesus will say, guys, we didn't know each other. We, we never knew each other. And this points out the secret that Jesus gives to true eternal life. In the end, it will all come down to whether we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just did we know who he was, but did we know him personally? It says in John chapter 17, verse 3, 
this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Paul the Apostle, who achieved, achieved many things before he was a Christian, he was well known, he was an established rabbi and leader and speaker had a high status among the Pharisees. And then after he switched teams and became a Christian, he is probably the most influential person who ever lived apart from Jesus. But he said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss. Everything, everything I've achieved is loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So there's a deep friendship that Jesus offers us, which is greater than anything the world could offer. It's the best thing in the world. It leads to eternal life. And as we have a friendship with Jesus and get to know him in scripture and to listen to the Holy Spirit, we begin to do his will and seek his will, and he changes who we are on the inside. And so the big miss of these false prophets is that though they, while they knew about Jesus, they didn't know him. They didn't seek to do God's will, and they didn't exude the transforming results of the Holy Spirit. Let me tie this up with three applications. Number one is this. It's be careful who you allow to influence you. Be very careful who you pick to be influenced by. Beware. There are many deceivers, false prophets out there who look great on the outside, but inwardly are not even close to the type of person that you should want to be. So when I was about fifth grade, my older brother John and I were really into Abbott and Costello. Does anybody remember those two old comedians? Yeah, Abbott and Costello. We thought they were hilarious, and they were long dead by that time, but a friend of ours, he got us turned on to these old comedians, and every Friday night from 9 to 10.30 on a local TV station, they would show these old Abbott and Costello movies, and so we would watch them every Friday night, and our friend would watch them, and then we'd talk about these movies. We even had this old Abbott and Costello tape of one of their radio shows, and we would fall asleep every night listening to them doing their impression or their, their skit Who's on first? Do you remember that? So I got really into Lou Costello. At that time, I was kind of chubby, and he was like the funny fat guy. And I thought, boy, I like him. I want to be like him. And I remember one day my mother and I were driving in the car, and she was concerned that I was getting too influenced by Lou Costello. And she said, Jason, you know, I'm not sure Lou Costello is really the kind of guy that you ought to try to be like. I mean, he is pretty funny in his movies, but in real life, he was known to be a jerk. He was rude. He put people down. He thought he was better than others. He didn't treat people well. And then she said, if you're looking for a role model, you really ought to consider Mr. T. She said, he acts tough on the outside, but he's supposed to be a really nice guy, and he does a lot to help at-risk youth. Did anybody else's mom take him for a drive when they were in fifth grade? and tell them they ought to be more like Mr. T? Maybe I'm the only one. I thought everybody got the talk sooner or later. <laughs> but it's easy to get enamored with people who have charisma or outward success or sell lots of books or people who look like they've achieved the outward trappings that our world, that our world goes after. But we really need to look at people who have the personal lives 
the personal lives that reflect a knowledge of God and a love for others and faithfulness over time. Pick people that you know who are emulating the kind of character that you want to develop. Don't be too enamored with people on the covers of magazines or who write lots and lots of books. We'll know them by their fruits. Go for the good people, the nice people, the generous people. Be very careful who you allow to influence you. Number two is beware of self-deception. So a couple weeks ago, I listened to a great audio book by a guy that I do think is trustworthy uh, named Andy Stanley. Uh, Tim Lee and I actually got to meet him in person, and he was a really nice guy up close, a good guy. But he wrote a great book about decision-making called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And he says that there are questions we got to ask ourselves when we're making big decisions and we're thinking about buying things or having a relationship with someone. The first question you need to sit with is, am I being honest with myself really? Am I being honest with myself about why I want to buy this thing? Why I want to have a relationship with this person? Why I want to do this thing? And he points out examples from history and from the scripture about how we have this incredible tendency towards self-deception. The prophet Jeremiah wrote in uh, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the human heart is deceitful above all else. We have this incredible tendency to deceive ourselves. And one of the problems with the false prophets is that they believe their own lies. They really think that they're better than other people. They really are going to be surprised on Judgment Day when Jesus isn't as impressed with them as they are with themselves. And we can all fall into the same trap in our own spiritual lives. So this text, I think it calls us to ask ourselves honestly three questions. Number one is, do I know Jesus personally? Really? Do you really know Jesus personally? Do you talk to him as a friend? Do you listen to him? Do you pray to him? Not just, oh yeah, I go to church, but do you know him? Really? Number two is, am I seeking to do God's will with my life? Really? I mean, are you earnestly seeking to do the will of God? He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. If there's an area of your life where you're deceiving yourself about being in God's will, turn back to God today. It's a great opportunity to repent. The third question is, am I bearing the right fruit in my personal life? Really? People who know me up close, do they see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? One of the lessons of the false prophets is that we get zero points for going through the motions as Christians. If we don't know Jesus personally, if we don't know him, nothing else matters. Final application is, begin a friendship with Jesus. Perhaps the saddest thing about the false prophets is that they were seeking to find fulfillment through fame, manipulation, abusing people, taking advantage of people, making a name for themselves, using the name of Jesus, when the key to the abundant life was right there in front of them the whole time. Paul says, I consider everything as loss compared to the surpassing greatness 
of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing compares. Whereas Dallas Willard says, the condition of life sought for by human beings throughout the ages is attained in the quietly transforming friendship of Jesus. And if you don't know him personally, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him. He's knocking today. He's waiting for us to say, hey, Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior? I'd love to do the rest of my life in friendship with you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you are so reliable. Lord, there are so many people out there who want something from us and try to take things from us through deceit. And yet you are so honest and loving and so faithful and good, and you invite us to friendship, eternal friendship with you. Help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you and take hold of your offer for eternal friendship, which is the satisfaction of our deepest desires for belonging and love right now. And now we join together in praying that ancient prayer that unites us with believers of all times and all places as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy names. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching online worship with us today. We hope you got something great out of it. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.